says, so um, just being receptive and allowing your words to resonate in our heart. So God, we just thank you right now that your plan, will, and purpose is being fulfilled in us. Also, God, we just ask that you continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in righteousness, God. Allow us to keep our hearts and minds softened for your word and for your voice. Let us follow you and let us be doers of your word and not just hearers of your word, God. So we appreciate you today. We thank you that we have boldness. We are fearless. Thank you, God. Um, we ask that you quicken us with your Holy Spirit and that you please allow your plan, will, and purpose, your will to be done in our life, not anyone else's will, not our will, not anyone else, God. We want your will to be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me on Laws, Life, and Health. Let's talk about it. So um, today, I am continuing on in the discussion of women's health. And um, so yesterday, I talked a lot about, you know, um, just never giving up, making sure you try to stay positive and um, focus on the things that God has before you, you know, not to too much focus on the things that's that you can't change. Just really focusing on the things that God has in store for you. So I wanted to talk about um, how we could, you know, um, improve in some areas of more areas of our life. Um, so specifically, I wanted to talk about Eve and um, Sarah, Sarai, which her name was later changed over to Sarah. Okay. So I, I did want to talk about that and also really, um, try to go over some um relationships and how polygamy and also other types of relationships can influence your perspective as a, a as a person so it's so important to be able to understand what god is saying even though the world has a lot to say about so many different things god has a lot to say in his word about the way that we should be so um, just a few housekeeping rules, okay? If you have any questions whatsoever, anything at all to ask, if you're joining me via a Zoom webinar, please go ahead and put your questions in the Q&A, and I will be sure to respond to them there. If you have um, any questions that you would like to put in the chat, you can go ahead and put that in the chat as well via Zoom. Now, if you're joining me on any of the audio apps, meaning like if you're on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Alexa, Amazon, um, or Podbean, any of these apps, any of them, please go ahead and put your comments in the comment section and I'll be sure to respond to you there. Now, if you're interested in suggesting a topic at all, please go ahead and send me an email directly. You can send that to Deanna Watson at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. Or if you are interested in um, becoming a author, or if you needed to maybe complete some uh, internship for school credit, or if you needed to complete some mandated community service, in addition to just, you know, like if you were, you know, interested in doing some volunteer work, go ahead and send your uh, request to info at suddenchangescorporation.org. And if you needed prayer, send your prayer request to Laws Life Health, Laws Life Health at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. Okay. So I would like to just really get started in the word today. Let me go ahead and share my screen. Um, so I have been reading some Bible verses about 
I really did. I am going to go over only two women in the Bible. I was thinking about possibly going over more, but I think I'm going to do that in a later podcast. So this is more significant to women's health. And so I think just um, basically like utilizing the main women in the Bible who are really is a representation of what <laughs> of what women should be. Um is something that we should um, focus on. So I'm going to attenuate on Eve um, and place a little bit more emphasis on Sarai, who later, whose name was later changed to Sarah. Okay. Okay. So I was waiting up for... I was actually waiting on the blog to come up because... For some reason, it's just always so slow. I've been trying to do this for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes now. I've just been waiting on it to load. I refreshed it several different times. Um, so let, let's go to the word. I want to go to... Um, okay, here we go. All right. So today I am talking about um, just being a wife, polygamy, and other relationships. Okay. All right, so here we go. So going over some of the uh, scriptures from yesterday, I had Second Chronicles uh, fifteen and seven. Second Chronicles fifteen and seven. So let's go there. Okay, so, but as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. So God doesn't ever want us to give up ever because as long as we are equipped with the Holy Spirit, there is nothing that we cannot conquer. There is nothing that we cannot accomplish. So I want to just go over some of the information um, when it pertains to Eve. We see that Eve was the type of woman that never gave up, okay? Um, simply because she went after her desires. She wanted to make sure that the things that she wanted to get done was gonna get done. So let's let's go ahead and dive a little deep. I know I've I have referenced Eve quite a few times throughout this podcast, but let me just go ahead and, and dedicate this time to focusing on eve and placing more emphasis on sarai okay so when we look at the name eve let's look at the name eve the name eve actually is um 
So the word, the name Eve is mentioned in the Bible four different times in four different verses. It has three different meanings um, in the Hebrew and in the, well, it has three different meanings in the Hebrew. No, in the, in two different meanings in the Hebrew and two different meanings in the uh, Greek, actually only one in the Greek. So we see that it's only mentioned four times, but when we look at it in the context of understanding who Eve is, we have to look through the strong concordance. And so I talked about the strong concordance yesterday in great detail. So if you'd like to go back and go ahead and listen to that podcast from yesterday, that'll be great. Um, so just to give you a brief summary of what the strong concordance is, the Strong's Concordance, um, basically, it translates the entire Bible. So the Bible is comprised of two different testaments. The Old Testament, which are from the books of uh, Genesis to the books of Malachi. Then you have uh, the New Testament, which is from the books of Matthew on to the books of Revelation. And so in those books, we have the Old Testament that is simply comprised of the Hebrew scrolls and the New Testament, which is comprised of the uh, Greek. Okay, so the entire Bible is actually called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay, and that that's just a combination of the Hebrew and also the Greek. And so you have um, scholars who actually can interpret Hebrew and also Greek lexicons. Meaning the lexicon words and the lexicon number. So each word has its own number associated with the word. Each each um, le lexicon word, which is also like a Strong's word, has its own number. So for instance, the word, the name Eve is mentioned in the Bible four times, but it only has three different meanings. For instance, the word Christian is mentioned two times in the Bible. The word perfect is mentioned in 94 different verses, but it only has 23 different meanings. If you were to look up a word in the dictionary, like the Merriam Dictionary or the Webster Dictionary, the word perfect is, um, it has nine different um, derivations for defining what the word perfect means. So although you can have one word, you can have many different meanings to that word. So yes, they are innately similar, but they are quite different. So the way that we understand this is by making sure that we analyze the Strong's Concordance. So when we look at the Old Testament, for instance, we have the first five chapters of the Bible, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You have these five um, books in the Bible, the first five chapters, I'm sorry, first five books of the Bible, which is considered the Torah. Now, if I'm talking too fast, please let me know because sometimes I can't talk really fast. So um, I'm going to slow my pace down a little bit. Okay, so the first five books of the Bible are considered the Torah but they're also called the law, right? And so this is where we can understand the laws, the, the commandments, the things that God required everyone to do. And so you have all of these provisions in the law and what you what you can do, what you can do. And this is the Torah, okay? And so that's a part of like just the law, what, what God requires of us, right? Um. So when we look at, 
the um, New Testament, for instance, we have the first four books of the Bible. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, those are considered the Gospels. And it, it talks about the life of Jesus in the gospel. So you can go and find out everything about Jesus. Now, you're going to get a different account of different events that took place in the uh, in the Bible in the new testament about jesus so mark may have a different interpretation and then you may read something different in john so it's just really about what the holy spirit inspired each person to you know um see and um say during those um books so when you look at the book of acts you can see that acts is written by by jesus christ's brother Right. So we understand that Jesus Christ was 100 percent man of the flesh and also 100 percent God. So what, what Jesus did was he manifested himself into the flesh. He became low. He became low like a human being and manifested himself into the flesh. And so that's what the Bible talks about. Jesus Christ being God, but Yet when he manifested into basically the body, this is in layman's terms, when he manifested into the flesh, he basically became low like man. So now he is, God is showing us that he can still, you know, um, become just like us, but yet not sin. Meaning that Jesus Christ was 100% God, 100% man. But yet he didn't use any of his godly powers to defend himself. So many times when someone is talking about you in this world, you know, you're going to defend yourself. When somebody um, hurts your feelings, you want to naturally defend yourself. When someone is treating you wrong, um, you want to naturally automatically say something in your defense. So like. When you see someone else's um being um trampled over or or you see something happens to someone that is you know that that you want to stand up for so you advocate for the voiceless those are things that you know you want to stand up and defend so Jesus Christ was 100% man and 100% God and it's all spoken about throughout the Bible okay so the way that we understand the Bible is by us reading the Bible Okay, and so we see that God is 100% man and 100% God. We also see that in John 10 and um, John 10 30, it says, I and the Father are one. So we see that the manifestation of God being the head, God is the head. If you look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says that the head, and I just want you, but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is man and the head of Christ is God. So when Jesus was here on earth, um, he was crucified and he was crucified basically by the Roman empire. They, they let him Pontius Pilate. They sent him over to the religious Pharisees, which were the Jews at the time. So the Jews crucified Jesus through the authorization of the Roman Empire, right? And so um, many times you have so many different accounts of events that had taken place. So now you, you're always going to have 
the Roman Empire is going to have their sort of um their books and stuff like that of they wanted to give a justification for why this happened and that happened and then you'll have the religious Pharisees which are the Jews who really believe that you know that that, that it was okay or whatever justifications they want to have behind that but we ultimately going to land on the truth and so the truth was Pontius Pilate was Roman he handed Jesus Christ over to the Jews and they were the ones that crucified him. So when he was crucified, he resurrected. And on the third day of him resurrecting, he stayed on earth and he ministered to people on earth for about 40 days. So he was here for 40 days. And then after that, he ascended to heaven. He went up into heaven. 10 days later, he sent the Holy Spirit down. And so that's considered the day of Pentecost. Okay, so the the 10 days later when the Holy Spirit ascended on the apostles and stuff, that is called Pentecost. So 50, 50, the number 50 means Pentecost. It means the day of Pentecost. It actually is, it means 50, but it actually is um the day of Pentecost. So going back to 1 Corinthians 11 and 3. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. We see that the Father is the head, Jesus Christ the Son, and then you have the Holy Spirit. So usually when you have access to Jesus Christ, you have you you have access to the Holy Spirit. You have received salvation. So the Bible talks about in order for you to get to the Father, you have to come through the Son. So now we fully understand the process. Okay, it's about understanding. Okay, um, so it's the Father, which is God, the Son, which is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and that's the Holy Trinity. Even though the Bible doesn't specifically say anything about the Holy Trinity, we know that it is talking about the Holy Trinity because we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is three. And in the beginning, when God said, let us make man in our image, he was really referencing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was here um, before he was even manifested here on earth because he's God, okay? So the, the way that we understand the word of God is we ask God to give us revelation. We ask God to give us understanding of the word so that we can perceive, we can understand what God is saying. We can learn what God is saying to us. So going back to the word Eve, and I know that that kind of was like a lot of information. Okay, I don't want to give you information overload. So God, I just pray that we can just, everyone can just receive the information in a way that is efficient and effective in Jesus name. So going back to this, um, the word Eve is mentioned four times in the Bible. And so the scripture that I was referring to is going to be in Genesis. So we're going to look at the one that's in Genesis three and 20. And, um, it says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living so this is strong's number two three three two it's actually zero two three three two but we're going to denote the zero in front of it because anytime there's a zero in front you could just 
you could just take that off. Um, so this word here for Eve is called, is pronounced Kav Val, Kav Val. And um, it's spelled C-H-A-V-V-A-H. Um, it means life giver, the first woman, life giver. So Eve was a life giver. Okay, that's what her name means in Hebrew. Um, there's another part to her name in Hebrew. If we look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, and it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And so this word here, it means at, at. It is Strong's number 853. It means the demonstrative sense of entity, properly self, but generally used to point out more definitely the object of a verb or preposition, even or namely, unrepresented in English. So this, this name doesn't have a representation of uh, the English term. And so I want to go to this scripture here. I was actually talking about this scripture to one of my friends the other day. We was having Bible study. And I said, this was really interesting because when you look at Genesis chapter four and verse one, it says, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she birthed to his brother and named him Abel. This is so interesting because this is the birth of something new because she doesn't say she doesn't say anything about um um with the Lord's help I have produced a man with Abel. She could have said the same thing with Abel, but she didn't say it. So we're not going to, we, that's why we don't really look at that, but we can still pay attention because it wasn't there. It's not there. And so it's talking about specifically, it says with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. And we know what man means, man. Let's, let's look at man in, um, let's look at man in, uh, in the strong concordance. Okay, so if we go to Genesis 1 and 27, it says, so God created man in his own image and the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. So it means human being, an individual or the species of mankind, another hypocrite plus common sort, low man, low degree person. Um, that is autumn is pr pronounced autumn and it's spelled Adam. But I
was trying to. But that is what the beast will come out. It is the Six protons, six electrons, and six neutrons, which equates to six, six, six. Okay, so or let's see, I, I actually got this a long time ago. It talks about 
I was trying to see if it would show the scientific method table, but it didn't show that. But you all, let's see if we can, let's see if I can find the scientific method. Scientific uh, method here. Okay, see. No, this doesn't, um... So we see that we see that uh, carbon um, is it is comprised of different isotypes, isotopes. Um, but let's see, I just still don't see it. But it's fine, okay. You want to do a deep dive search on that? You all can just type in the number of man is six six six. It is six uh, neutrons, antons, and protons. Okay. But now going back to Eve, um, we see here that, so Eve, Eve means life giver, first woman. So Eve was the first woman to dominate a man. When you think about Eve, that's what you have to think about. You cannot remove the fact that Eve was dominating. Okay. She made adam passive she became the dominator she became the head and adam became filled with passivity so she made adam give up his position as head so that he would listen to her and eat from the forbidden tree that god had commanded them not to eat from and so this is so significant here Okay, this is so important for every single person to understand that when you're overpowered, meaning the man, the man is being overpowered by the woman, which this is clearly, clearly something that God didn't want to take place. So God actually made Adam and Eve pure. They were pure. They didn't have to worry about anything, but they still had the choice. They still had free will to be able to do as they please. So if they wanted to listen to God, they can still listen to God. If they wanted to disobey God, they still had the option to disobey God. God wanted them to choose him voluntarily, which is why let's talk about the garden of Eden and all the good things that God had did. That is so significant because when, when we're looking at this, people are looking over the fact that God really did a lot to give um, Adam and Eve what they needed. So let's go. Let's open the Bible. Okay, we're going to go to Genesis. Um, let's go to Genesis chapter two. I think it should be in chapter two. Okay. So we see, let's talk about all the good stuff that God was doing. So God created everything on earth in six days. He rested on the seventh day, which is considered Saturday. Now you really have to study scripture. There was actually a scripture that I have found um, that it talks about, I believe it was during the Passover and it talked about the Sabbath. And so Sabbath was the end of the week okay so you had a seven day which is on it's really on saturday so the sabbath is saturday okay 
Sunday, according to the Roman Catholic calendar, the Gregorian calendar, Sunday is the beginning of the week, clearly. But most people are celebrating what the Roman Catholics are doing simply because Roman Catholicism is really out of England. And so America is really like the sister or the cousin country of England. Okay, so we really pretty much, if something takes place in England, America adopts many of those principles that's taking place in England. And so this is how we got the um, celebration of the Sunday worship. Okay, but really, in fact, God rested on a Sabbath which is the last day of the week, which ends on Saturday. However, I want everybody to really pay attention to this, that God wants us to praise and worship him every day. We should be communicating with God every day and we should be praising and worshiping him every single day because God has given us everything that we need in order to sustain. So we've received all of the tools that we need in order to be victorious in life, okay? And so that just calls for praise and worship. So when we look at this, we look at and um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. I'm going to start there. So this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So this is so significant. God is, he's thinking about He's God is thinking about the shrubs. He's thinking about the plants. He's thinking about rain. He's thinking about, you know, taking care of the ground. God is magnificent. You understand before he even creates man, God has already made provisions in his mind of what needs to be done. So when you have God in your life and in, in your the, the Holy Spirit, God is going to allow you to plan ahead. Like for the day, you know, because guess what? We're not children of God that live in fear. So we're supposed to plan, okay? We're supposed to include God in our choices and our decisions. You're supposed to have smart goals that are very specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. Smart goals. So we are supposed to do these things because we have God on the inside of us because God wants us to be like him. So we are, we are supposed to be like God, even though we are not God, we should still be like God. So we see that God is God is here in verse five. He's thinking about the shrubs um, on earth. He's thinking about the plants. He's thinking about the rain that, need, that needs to be done on earth. And he's thinking about be, work being done on the ground. And so God was thought about thinking about all of this stuff before he even created man. Before he even formed man. 
So when you're going through things in your life, you have to understand that when you're equipped with the Holy Spirit, God is going to allow you to plan. Yes. God is going to allow you to see the good things of your future. Yes, he will. God will allow you to see what is before you. Okay. God will allow you to see the people who you, who you should be working with and the people who you shouldn't be working with. God will allow you to see beforehand. So it's no need to second guess what God has, because guess what? God is going to show you in advance what you need god will give you a vision of what's needed in your life okay so i just wanted to point that out so when you're equipped with the holy spirit you have discernment you are like god even though you're not god so Moving forward in verse eight, it says, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. God had already planted this garden. It said, had planted. That's past tense. That means that God had already created this garden. It had already taken place. So what we see about the Bible is, it's not in chronological order either. So I want to make sure that everyone understands that the Bible is not in chronological order. All right. Um, but I, I just want to point that out too. So, um, so God had made, he had planted a garden in the East of the Eden and there he had put the man where that he had formed. He basically gave him a home. This is your home in a garden. So this is nice. When God give you something, he going to give you something that you going to like. He not, you know, like it's going to be comfortable. See, for me, I would be comfortable in a, a three bedroom house. Now, if I would, I was, I had a six bedroom house before I had a six bedroom house and it was too much space. You know, it carried a lot of dust. And so, you know, that I was uncomfortable in that house. So God know what you're going to be comfortable with. You know, so for instance, some people are comfortable living in a 10-bedroom house in five-bedrooms, right? I wouldn't want to live in a house like that. It's too many rooms. And if there had occupants in the room and it, I was filled up with occupancy, then I wouldn't have a problem with that. But I don't want to be in a big house that's empty. Those type of houses carries a lot of uh, uh, infestations of rats. Okay, I'm telling you that the truth. That's the truth. So I don't need, I don't want to deal with pests because of, uh, in, in addition to rooms that accumulate dust. So what I'm saying here is that God placed Adam in the garden in the Eden because he knew what he would like. You understand everything is about, you know, like shaping the life for for this man that god created and the woman that he's that he's creating so when god place you somewhere he's not going to push you somewhere where it's not going to be comfortable for you now sometimes god will take you outside of your comfort zone but that's fine that's that's usually only temporary to make sure you get acquainted with what you're supposed to do and i'll talk about that in a minute but just to let you all know, see, God is going to give me like a three bedroom house. It's something that I'm comfortable with. Anything outside of that, I don't want. 
So just understand there are people in this world that have different qualities, right? We all have these different qualities because guess what? You have your own set of fingerprint. I have my own set of fingerprints and God has allowed us to leave a mark in this world. So your finger, even the hairs on your hair are numbered. Your lips have prints. Everything about you is unique and special. It is identifiable with God. God counts the number of hairs that you have on your head. Your fingerprints is significant. Why? Because God has allowed you to leave a mark where you are going. You leave a mark in the lives of people that you love. They remember the good stuff that you do. They remember the bad stuff that you do. So this is significant. God is placing a person, God is placing this man in a garden. So God is going to give you what you need in your life and he isn't going to overdo it. Because he knows what you want. He knows what you need. So let's fin let me finish. So in verse 9, it says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You see that? See that? that God did that to in to sponsor curiosity you know because look this is this is a tree of knowledge of good and evil and yes it's pleasing to your eyes but that doesn't mean that it's going to be good for you so moving forward in verse 10 we see that a river watering the garden flowed from eden from there it was separated into four head water so four different ways the name of the first is, is Pishon. It's winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good, uh, uh, aromatic resin, and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the is uh, the Gihon. The Gihon. It's winds um, through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It runs along the east of east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. So we see these rivers that God created. And in verse 15, it says that the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So the garden of Eden basically has everything in there. It has the tree of life. The tree of life here is very significant. Because one thing that you have to notice is that God, this is the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In the middle of the garden. So let's move on to verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So everything up until this point, this is now, this is what Pastor Brad um, through uh, Story Life Church, he mentioned this. This is why I'm mentioning it right now, because he was the one that brought this to um, everyone's attention. Everything that God created was good up until this point in verse 18. 
God created the heavens and the earth. He separated it with the firmament. He created the animals, the sea creatures, the, the, the livestock that walked the earth, the, the fowl of the air, the birds, you know. So God created everything. And when he created it, he saw that it was good up until verse 18. And this was so interesting because Pastor Brad over at Story Life Church in Apple, Apple I think it's called Applecock, 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 Florida. Um, it's a it's out of um Paula's White Men Ministries, uh, City of Destiny. And so Pastor Brad, he was talking about um, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So we see that everything that God had created was good up until verse 18. So we continue on in verse 19 and says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground, all of the wild animals and the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man. These are all gifts to the man. He brought them to the man. Now it's, it's a couple more verses here that I would really like to go over. That is so interesting that God really gave me revelation on this here. So, so, um, so God gave all of the, he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. He brought all of these animals, wild animals, all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man. That means that the man could immediately think and have logic. Immediately was able to name all of these wild animals and, and, and birds. Immediately after being created, just immediately was able to name animals. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So God really saw that, you know, the man was able to really, really have gain understanding and knowledge at this point. He's able to name animals after just being created. I mean, usually when you see like a person, uh, uh, excuse me, a baby being born, it takes a while for the baby to grow up and everything, but God just created Adam in his image immediately he had had the ability to name the animals including the birds so he brought them um so the man gave names to all of the livestock the birds in the sky and all of the wild animals but for Adam no suitable helper was found See, suitable. So this is here where it talk is talking about. Now, if, if there was a suitable helper between a man and an animal, it would have been mentioned here. So we see people in this world now, since they have legalized so much um, same-sex uh, marriage, you now have the ability to um, change your uh, human genome um not the human genome but now you the, the you have people in this world that is able to basically have um a in vitro fertilization have kids even with being a, a biological male 
Um, and so these things right here clearly shows us that this is not something that God wanted. So, so, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. This is after he names the animals. So now you have some people in the world today that really are attracted to animals to the point where they would like to marry animals. Okay. And they feel that they should be able to marry animals because of so much you know, um, so much identity crisis, uh, going happening around the world. So for instance, let's, I, I can show you here. Can people marry animals? So that's all you need to type in. Um, it's a bunch of articles. Hopefully that will come up. Let's see if it, if it doesn't, I'll go to, um, to Chrome, um, human, human animal marriage. Is it legal to marry an animal or, or an inanimate object? So Norway had legalized, did Norway legalize marriage between, between humans and animals? It says that a two-year-old Cameroonian blog post found itself going viral in August of 2019 among American readers with one eye on the end of days. Um, Norway legalized marriage between a human and an animal in either 2017 or 19. It says that in a June 2017 article, okay, uh, let's see if that pulls up. It was published on the Cam Cam Cameroonian blog called The Watchdog Web and bore the headlines, Norway, the marriage between humans and animals is sick, been, re been legalized. So it's not clear what sort of prompted this wave of social media sharing of the blog. Um, and this is from uh, Snopes. This is an article published by Snopes. But they said that the version was almost secret. Um, copy from Secrets News, original November 2016 article um, that showed a side-by-side -side comparison of a section of the original post on the left with the version published seven months later. So... Um, if you go in to start reading this type of stuff, you see that there was a 23-year-old woman who was met by a team of journalists because she was the first to celebrate a zoo contractual union. So she married, um, basically, uh, um, she married a, a Doberman that she found in the animal shelter. Okay? So this is unethical. Um, going back here, and you can come and, and look at the video via Zoom, so that way you can see this actual article, because I don't have it posted on the blog. This is just a side um, comment that I wanted to do some commentary on, okay? And so, um, when you think about this, this is a trending topic. Should people be allowed to marry animals? So you have all of these individuals in this world today who are now saying, okay, well, if, if you can have a baby and you're a male, because that is done through in vitro fertilization, it costs about 19,000 or 25, between 19 and $25,000 for men to be able to do that today. And so there is a limitation there is a certain morale that needs to be limited in order to maintain morale in this country, okay? 
in and around the world. So you may have some people who are sex offenders who will say, well, why can't they, you know, marry their 16 year old victim? And so now you have in many states that really allows um, marriage as young as um, 13 years old, 14 years old. Um, so let's let's look at that. But this isn't coming back up. I don't know why it's, it's doing that. So um, I'm going to put this here. And I talked about this. Um, how old is legal age to marry? And so when you pull this information up, it's going to have a lot of information here just for the legal age to marry. And I saw, I think it was in one state that said um, they can either get married at as young as, hold on, let's see if I could pull it up. I thought this was updated in March of 2023. Let's see. This one isn't it. I know exactly how it looks. So I'm, I'm trying to look for the one that I'm used to seeing. Um, state by state marriage, age of consent laws. And usually you don't want to just look at one type of blog. Okay, this is from Fine Law. Um, I, I like the side by side map that they usually have, but this one doesn't provide that. So I'm not going to look through that entire list. It's kind of like... Um, too much reading there i would like to just see the chart there's one that they have a chart on um legal age to marry maybe this one is it okay so this one doesn't have a chart either okay so if i can't find a chart i'll just look through the list it's okay here we go um legal age by state chart there we go cool all right, so um, I think it's under Policy Genius. I think that one was it. Okay. I don't think so. This doesn't have all of the accurate ages. That isn't accurate. So let's go back. Um, well, maybe, no, 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 I don't think. I think it was Population View. Couldn't have been that one. No, maybe this one. Okay, here we go. So it's under um, worldpopulationreview.com, state ranking age of consent by state. And so we see that the acceptable difference in like, um, for instance, let's look at Alabama from Alabama to Maryland, um, Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Connecticut. Um, so for instance, in uh, Alabama, you have to be 16 year old, 16 years old to marry and at least two years age difference. Um, in Maine, you can be 16 and the acceptable age difference is five years above or five years younger. Okay. And you have to have consent by your parents. So I don't think that that is an updated chart because I've seen some places, um, for instance, it says that in Rhode Island, the age of consent is 16 and an 18 year old is not allowed to have sexual intercourse with someone age 14 or 15. 
So this is deemed third degree sexual assault. But someone over the age of 18 who has sex with someone under the age of 14 has committed child molestation. So there is a close, there is a close in age exemption in Rhode Island. So children who are 16 or 17 are allowed to have consensual sex with someone that is aged 14 or 15. So you just think about that. 14, 15, 16, 17. That 17 year old is now messing with a 14 year old. And in some places, I saw that um, with the parents' consent, I actually had this posted on a different blog too. So you all can go there. I don't want to spend too much time on that. I just was trying to make a point that about. You know, if you are able to get away with doing one thing, now other people want to get away with doing it. For instance, um, marrying, being able to marry an animal. Okay, so we look at some of this stuff here on being able to marry an animal. You have all type of stuff that is coming up to marry an animal. There are so many people that want to get married to an animal but if oh, i don't know how some of these books keep you up in here but they do it's earwigs that's what they are hold on one second please it's just on the window seal of my office here okay so we go to first timothy chapter four verse three and I am going to go back to Genesis. Okay. I just wanted to make these a uh, few points. So we have first Timothy chapter four, verse three, they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. So when you know what the truth is, you're going to practice the truth. You're going to do what the truth says. Because that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to do things that is within his word that is true. Now, yes, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And guess what that means? It means that, you know, we are going to mess up at some point. But when we recognize and we pray and we continue to seek God, God will reveal the truth to us. But one thing God showed me was that when people are deceived, they don't know that they're deceived. They do not know that they are deceived at all. So we see here in Genesis chapter two, verses 20 through um, verses 20. So the man gave names to all of the livestock, the birds in the sky and all of the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So yes, he could, you know, he could have any of those animals as friends. Of course, you know, these are all wild animals. God brought all the animals to him to name. He had dominion over the earth and everything else. So God gave this to Adam as a blessing. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. So. The woman came out of the man that was meant for Adam. She was, she was his helpmate. So in verse 23, the man said, 
This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. So remember the word man means Adam uh, in, in Hebrew. So um, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. So Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So we see here uh, ending on, on chapter two that they did not have no shame. They didn't feel bad. They were naked. They were comfortable. And but just still remember that God gave them free choice. So they do have free will. They have a choice to choose to follow God. They have a choice to choose to be disobedient to God. And I want to point out a lot of stuff, more stuff in, in chapter three. It's a lot of information after three and really in chapter four. So I'm gonna try to um I'm gonna try to speed through this a little bit um because it's kind of a lot of information but it's okay so three now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the lord god had made so this is means that the the serpent the snake was more cunning was more um more just cunning you know than any other uh, any other wild animal. So he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? So what the snake is doing is, is trying to deceive Eve by saying, well, did God really say that you couldn't eat from the tree, from any tree in the garden? Like, what if she would have just said, oh, yeah, I could eat from any tree. That's right. But she didn't say that. I'm just saying, okay. Um, he's this is an attempt to deceive her to see what level of deception that she could be on, right? So he says, Did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So he's trying to test whether or not what level she on and, and, and how she can be. So you have to understand that there are going to be people in this world that is going to test your beliefs in God. They're going to test what level you are on. They're going to test your character. They're going to test your personality. They're going to test everything about you. It's so important for you to be authentic. And that means that when you let the Holy Spirit come into your life and you you are equipped with the Holy Spirit, what happens is you 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 know God is just going to let you be yourself. And you're going to change over time. Okay? And so as you continue to grow in your walk with Christ and your walk in your relationship with God, you're going to transform your mind your mind gets transformed as you grow in your walk with God. It doesn't happen overnight. For instance, I did not become bold overnight. I did not become outspoken overnight. So what God did was he took qualities that was like, I've always been bold, but now I'm no longer bold for my own justifications. I am a new person in Christ, which now I am bold for Christ. 
I am bold for the kingdom of God. I am fearless. I dominate. I have authority. I have the power of the Holy Spirit that I'm equipped with. So that's what that means. So as you grow in your relationship with God, people are going to test you. They're going to test your character. It's okay. Let them do them. But let God work through you. Let God work on, on your internal inconsistencies. Let God work on your internal consistencies. The things that you do good, the things that you do wrong. God is going to change you. People can't change you. God is going to help change you. It's your will, your free choice to choose God is going to allow God to transform you. This is why the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. See, God is saying, you do not be conformed, but if you wanted to be conformed to this world, can you be conformed? Let's go to that scripture. We're going to go to this scripture, okay? We're going to go to, um, it should be in Romans 12 and 2. Um, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So, but when it says do not, does that mean that, that you're, that some people are not? That don't, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to choose not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. There are going to be people in this world that are going to be conformed to the pattern of this world because they have a choice. They have free will as an option. So they're going to, they can be conformed to the pattern of this world if that's what they choose. So if you choose it, that's your choice. But God is saying in his word, do not be conformed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay? So this is this is what God wants for us. And so the Bible, the entire Bible is inspired by God. So you have to understand that since the Bible is inspired by God, when, when God's children is working through the spirit of God, that is inspired by God. God is using them to inspire you. I'm going to say that again. So the, the Bible, let's look at this scripture. All scripture is God breed. We're going to go to Timothy really quick. Um, please take, go to your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3.16. And you go to 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, so all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So we see that the Bible is inspired by God. It is all God breathed. So every, every single verse is all God breathe. You understand? Because what, what, who, who did God create? God created man and then he did what? He gave them the breath of life. So it's really simple here. It's really, really simple when we understand what God is saying. 
um the the issue here is let's look let's look back in genesis 3 so the serpent is saying well did god really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden so you got to be sure about what you believe now are you sure about what you heard god said are you sure about your relationship with god are you sure about your walk with christ see because it's like i can tell you this that yes i was feeling some type of way about and and i want to let you all know that this conversation right now is going to be for mature audiences only so if you do not want to hear it you should probably leave the room you can leave the room all right it's for mature audiences so when i began to have like these urges of like sex spurts in my mind i was feeling like i was withdrawing from sexual intimacy which is really sexual immorality because fornication when you're not married is not good god does not want us to fornicate so when you think about this i i just sit there and i just say okay well how do you break things off you have to like really let go of what you what your pre-existing thoughts and beliefs are on it you have to let it go and you have to let god you have to sever the fornication with that person period all of it so you have to stop right then and there and allow god to redirect you and so sometimes your body is saying like look no i want this person your body your flesh is saying your body will will want to satisfy its desires your body is always going to want to satisfy its desires because of eve the flesh is condemned the flesh is always warring with good your flesh is always going to war with goodness so when it's like god is saying don't fornicate your flesh is like no fornicate fornicate have sex and god is like no that's not what you're supposed to do so we see here that um so the serpent is saying well did god really say this so be sure about what you know be sure about hold on one second everybody please hold on
Thank you all so much for holding, okay? So, um, going back to the scripture, uh, Genesis 3, we see that the, that the serpent is basically trying to manipulate Eve in a way to see if she's uncertain about what God is saying. So, we should not be uncertain, uncertain about what God wants us to do. God wants us to understand his word, understand him. Because when we understand him, we are going to want to work to satisfy God. We are going to want to work to have favor from God. We are going to want to work with, you know, just receiving God's love and his grace. You know, we're not going to be like sitting here conversating with somebody who's saying, well, did God really say this to you? How do you know it was God? You know, so be sure about your beliefs. Be sure about God because we are living in a time where there are so many people that are following deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils, meaning that they are following doctrines that are false doctrines because their, their minds um, appear to be wise, but really they're fools because if you're not equipped with the Holy Spirit where God is omniscience, God is omniscient, omniscient um that's how you pronounce it and so when that means that god is all knowing he is all knowing so if you're not equipped with god that is all knowing what well god god said this to me today i was sitting here having a conversation with the lord and i was praying and i was like you know god some sometimes some things are just so foolish and so God said that my people died because of a lack of knowledge. So if you go to this scripture um, and you, you go to this scripture uh, here, we're going to go to um, uh, Hosea 4 and 6. Um, it says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest for me, saying that hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. So what this is saying is that God said to me, he said, look, his word is going to go out and accomplish that which it desires. So God has already said that people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This is prophecy. And I wasn't looking at this scripture as prophetic. I was just looking at this scripture as something that we know. But that's not God's. God told me this is a prophecy. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. People are dying because of a lack of knowledge. Because of like COVID vaccinations and what took place with the COVID vaccinations, there is a correlation between all these individuals that are having mass heart attacks and those people that have taken two and three different jabs of the COVID vaccine. This is 
happening in the world. People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Homes are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge is a fool. A fool is someone with a lack of knowledge, a lack of wisdom, a lack of spiritual common sense. This is a fool. So God is saying, let's go back to Genesis. I know I'm kind of taking a long time with this, but I want to make sure that everyone understands that the enemy will try to deceive you for instance if somebody says well you know yeah i was thinking about coming um i might be there so it's gonna it's the meeting is gonna be saturday okay cool thanks for letting me know so i'm gonna use this as a as an example the meeting is going to be Saturday. Thank you so much for letting me know that. That's my response. So somebody is saying to me, the meeting is going to be Saturday. I say, oh, thank you so much for letting me know. Okay. Did I ever say that I was going to be there? I just said, thank you for letting me know. So if my, you know, what I'm, I'm trying to say is some people assume what they hear. They, it's not what you actually say. It's what you thought you heard. What is it that you thought you heard? See, because this is what the serpent is doing to Eve at this moment. He's saying, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. So basically what he's doing is he is testing her in multiple areas with this question. So I just pay attention to what somebody say out of their mouth. It's not what, it's not what you thought they heard, what you thought they said. What did they actually say to you? Pay attention to what people say. See, some people say they believe in God, but what's the name of their God? What God are you referring to? You said God. Okay, so it's a few times I had to really think about this and go back and God said, you know what? They wasn't talking about him. They wasn't talking about my God, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. They was talking about a different God. And see, I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, okay, well, ooh, okay, so should I go back and delete that? Should I go back? God say, no, leave it. You can explain it later. Because there's going to be people that are going to ask you questions, then you'll be able to explain it. So you have to pay attention to what people are saying. There are people in this world they say, oh, God is this and, you know, God is that. But who is their God? What's your God's name? Did they say God's name? Because if you didn't hear them say God's name, 
then you could be worshiping and believing in something that is not of God. So God is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you. Once you acknowledge that he's died on the cross for you, he resurrected, you will be saved. You acknowledge God, okay? You acknowledge that he was resurrected. You acknowledge that he died on the cross for you. Jesus Christ, that's his name. He has a lot of other names too. God has many names. So it's so important to understand the names of God in the Holy Bible. So the way you understand it is how? Through Hebrew and also through Greek translations. So God's name is Elohim. God's name is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sikano, Jehovah Rapha, Adonai. Um, so God has a lot of different names, okay? So going back here, we need to be paying very close attention to what is being said. So you see that this is a characteristic of Satan, the serpent. The serpent was crafty. The serpent was deceiving Eve. How? Because of his craftiness, because of his cunningness. He knows that a person's inability to pay attention will deceive them. So if you don't pay attention to what is said, if you're not reading the fine print, if you don't know what's going on, you have to study and find out. Don't go by what somebody's telling you. Don't go by what you hear someone is saying to you. So we see that this is the, the characteristic of the serpent. Deceptive practice at its highest peak saying that you know like well did god really say you know so pay attention to that so the woman said to the serpent we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden but god did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die pay attention to this for a minute you know that there are two different trees in the Garden of Eden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and also the tree of life. But see, when God spoke about it in, in chapter 2, let's go back to what God said in chapter 2. See, God said that when he, um, right here it says, it says in um genesis 2 and verse 9 the lord god made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food so you have trees that god is talking about already that is pleasing to the eye and good for food you have the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil but the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that was pleasing 
to Eve's eye. So we see that in verse four, it says, you will not certainly die, the serpent says to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. But not mentioning anything about the tree of life. There's no mention about the tree of life. But in verse six, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. So we know that good and evil is always going to battle what's pleasing to the eye. What's pleasing to you. What's desirable to you. So, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. So we see here that the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for pleasing and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she ate it. She didn't consider God. She didn't even think about God. She didn't even mention anything about God besides saying, well, God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Like she needed this confirmation from the serpent. They say, well, well you know, you're not going to die. Go ahead. Why are you listening to them people at church? Why is you listening? Why are you reading their Bible? Why are you trying to do good? Why you don't want to have sex? God know you going to have sex. God know you going to want to have sex. So we see that good and evil comes with a set of qualities that is always going to desire pleasure. That's it. That's simple as that. Good and evil is determined by freedom of pleasure. Which pleasures are you choosing? Pleasing to your eye and desirable for you. So she ate some. And pay attention to this. It didn't say that you know like when she ate some that they realized they were naked i want you all to pay very close attention to that because she had already ate from the tree so she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it then the eyes of both of them were open you see that then part is in verse seven it didn't say, then the eyes of both of them were open after she ate it. No, it says, she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open. And so they realized that they were naked. Now in verse two, in chapter two, we see that they were not ashamed after God had created them. After Adam had named all the animals and stuff and then created the woman, they were naked and they were not ashamed. So they, um, 
So their eyes of both of them were open. They realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So pay attention to this. They're not ashamed because they felt bad about disobeying God. They were ashamed because they were naked. They didn't say, oh, I feel bad for not listening to God. No, their eyes was open. They realized that they were naked. So they sew fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So a lot of times when you see people out here just going exploring with all these different women and men that men just doing whatever they want, just exploring, exploring, exploring. And this is the part where I want to talk about polygamy. Okay. So I don't know. I think I have enough time to touch to talk about this. Um, let me, I want to show you all a video. Um, why, um, So just let me pull this up and then I have to get this other video. This credit card has an interest rate that's really, really low. How okay, low? I don't know why this, this it just all of a sudden played. There's no scripture that ever condemned. Okay, so this is a, okay, I want to say something here. Now, we are understanding the word of God from the Holy Bible. Okay, we also understand it from um, Hebrew and also from Greek. But what I want to make sure that everyone understands is that, yes, although um, God allows certain things to take place in the Bible, it doesn't mean that God really like um, supported many of these different things. So um, I want to look at this video. This man is a Hebrew Israelite, so he doesn't I'm not sure if he really believes in the Holy Bible or not. But what I'm saying is that um, part of their um beliefs are believing part of the torah and so i want to talk about i wanted to play this video so that we all can listen to what is being said here okay 
polygamy. Sure there is. Deuteronomy 17, 17. Don't multiply wives. Okay. <laughs> okay, so there we go. Deuteronomy 17, 17. So let's go there. We're going to go to Deuteronomy 17 and 17. It says, he must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Okay. Um, and so this is, this is important. Deuteronomy 17 and 17. So. It talks about polygamy here in Deuteronomy 17 and 17. And we see that Deuteronomy is the Torah. It is the law. We have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay. And so when, when God is talking about, um, when we're, when we see this here, um, we're, they're talking about the king, the king. Okay of um this time so let's go back to here so you have a christian man who just
prescribed.
of oppressed women and children, both the Old and the New Testament, sort of rigidly um, talks about these normatives. Um, so moving forward, it says Jesus himself models this type of a uh, whole biblical ethical reasoning with regard to sex and marriage. We see in Mark 10, 2 through 9, that the Pharisees had came up in order to test him and ask, is it, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. So, um, there, what this is saying is that their hearts were hardened. And so, um, that Moses got this commandment, um, because of their hardened hearts, you know, so they, they were going to do what they wanted to do with their wives anyway, period. They were going to do what they wanted to do. So that's why they could just give her a certificate of divorce, um, because they were going to divorce the woman anyway, back in those times. That's why I'm saying this. So when Jesus says to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And so this is clearly saying that this is with Jesus Christ arriving on earth. It changed the trajectory of the future. It changed the trajectory of marriage, of union, right? So yes, polygamy took place like it, it took place um, with uh, Sarai, Sarah and Abraham. But look at what happened. You see what, what the guy was just talking about. It doesn't end good. Look at Solomon with his multiple wives. It's so many scriptures in the Bible that really talks about this polygamy type of uh, lifestyle. So um, monogamy is really the biblical storyline that we need to be focusing on. And that's in Genesis chapter one, how God weaves complementary pairs, um, meaning that he created the heaven and the earth. He also created the sea and the dry lands. He created light and darkness. He even um, had the, the pairs um in days so you have days one through three god forms heaven earth and and in days four through six he fills them so you have these sort of paired days that he's placing emphasis on i really like this article actually this is really a very nice article so we see how there are four porches of uh, polygamy that um the bible teaches us that should be very clear when um cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore enoch where he built a city he called the name of the city after the name of his son enoch um so you have to consider the outcomes of the four of the scriptures that talks about polygamous relationships so we see lemak uh abraham we also see jacob we see david um and we also see solomon solomon too so that's important. Pay attention to that. Solomon had so many wives that had so many different other gods and stuff that they worshiped and believed in. It was really, really not good. So um, just paying attention to that, that, that's something that's important to look at. Um, so I want to go back to the scriptures, though. So I'm going to go back to the word of God so we can like really fully understand what the Bible is telling us. Okay.
Okay, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to just edit that. I just wanted to make sure that I could post it on the Facebook. And then I'll, um, I'll do some commentary on that. So we see that there are a lot of um, uh, scriptures that really uh, talks about the um, polygamy. All right. Um, so this, these are very, very good scriptures and stuff that, so he lists some scriptures and we need to really place emphasis on how, um, really the two become one. Um, so that's, that's the approach that we should be using. And that is the focus that we should be using as well. So let's look at, I want to make sure that I post this mark mark 10 2 through 9 okay okay here we go all right, so let's get back to it. Um, so now we can look here, go back to Genesis. And um, so we see that the woman here is um taking the, the, the fruit. Um, the husband he gets so Adam eats and their eyes are open. The man and his wife heard the voice of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So we see that God called unto the man. He called the man, where are you? See, there, there is an order here that God created. God created the man. He created the man to be the head. Okay, um, so then in verse eight, it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. They both heard the sound of the Lord, but see God, the Lord God called to the man. Where are you? He wasn't asking for the woman. You see, they had already sown fig. Uh, they already sown. They they realized that they were naked. They sold fig leaves around them and made coverings for themselves. God is looking for them. God knew that they, they should be in a garden just roaming naked. They should be free and comfortable. They shouldn't be ashamed of anything. If they were obedient to God. So like we're, we're obedient to God and we're doing the things that God wants us to do. We're going to be comfortable. We're going to be able to like just have a comfortable life. But when we're disobedient, God will allow certain things to take place in our life. Because of disobedience. So let me continue on here. 
Um, it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the, okay, so in verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So the first thing that man says to God is, look, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid. So you, you hear God who just created you, who gave you everything, let you name all of these animals, made you first. He created you first as the man, right? He created the woman as your helpmate. So you are the head of your wife. And so now you are have a union between you and the woman and, and you have this covenant that you have with God because God has made this provision to, with you to make sure that you don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So instead of you approaching God being taking ownership and accountability, like, okay, God, I messed up. I listened and I ate from the tree that you told me not to. So instead of saying that Adam is not taking accountability, this is the second time. The first time is when he realized that he was naked. And so he put fig leaves over him. So he had no intent on asking God for forgiveness. This is a man that just named every single animal in the world. This is a man that just named every single bird in the sky. He had no intent on asking God to forgive him for his actions. See, that's the problem is like when you're doing stuff out here, how do you feel after you do it? Do you feel convicted in your heart? Or do you just keep on doing it because you don't feel bad about it? The problem is our hearts lack conviction. If your heart is, it has the absence of conviction, don't let your heart have the absence of conviction in it. If you are doing something wrong and you know that this is wrong, you know that this is what the Bible is telling you. God will tell you, this is not right. Don't do it. But you still do it. Because you think everything is going to be fine. Because you human see, so God know that you're going to have sex. So you don't have to feel bad. You listening to all these other people in your ear. That's what you're thinking. But see, you got to remember what God said that his people died because of a lack of knowledge. So the absence of conviction in your heart will allow you to do evil. The absence of conviction being away from you is going to allow you to do things that's in disobedience, disobedience to God. Some people have cognitive dissonance because of the fact that that's what they choose. They, their minds is set up to just automatically be deviants. Even, even if it's, uh, it's unconscious or consciously. The flesh is going to do that. So you don't want to have a lack of. You don't want to have a lack of conviction in your heart because if that's what the word of God is saying and you continue to do it, guess what? You're doing what? You're inviting this wrong in. So we see that Adam is without conviction. 
He's not taking ownership. He's not taking accountability. And he's doing this by saying, look, first he, he, he sold the fig leaves on them. And now he's telling God, I heard you. But see, I was afraid because I don't have no clothes on. I'm naked. So I hid. So he doesn't feel convicted. He's not feeling bad. That's the second thing in verse 11, it says, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? See, in verse 12, he's not going to answer the question. He's only going to answer one question. But God asked him two questions in verse 11. He said, who told you that you were naked? I think some people, when they read this, they look over this part. Don't look over it. Don't let it fly over your head. So have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. He's only answering the question. He's only answering the second part of the question. The second question. He's not answering the first question that God is asking him. God said, who told you that you were naked? The woman you put here with me, oh, she she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. That's the way he explaining it to God. So now you not only sold fig leaves on you, you hid from God because you was afraid and you were naked. You don't feel bad because you didn't tell God that you're sorry. After you, you, you have to be smart enough to know that you did something wrong here because now you've been you've allowed the birth of good and evil to come into your mind and in your heart. So you know that you was wrong. That's why you were afraid. So instead of him asking him, who told you were naked? If he would have answered that question, it probably would have allowed him to have a little bit of repentance. Like, oh, I didn't mean to do this. But you know, like they're not understanding that. And I'm not going to read into that because that's eisegesis and we don't study the word like that. But I just want to, you know, point out that Adam lacked ownership and accountability. So then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? He is blaming the woman. But he was created first. He is the one who named all the animals. He is the one who named all the birds. God gave him dominion over the earth. And he's sitting here having passivity because of a woman. She didn't demoted him from his position as head and made him passive. Oh, it's the woman that you saying. It's the woman. It was the woman. So when we go to, I want to go to second Corinthians. Um, oh, I talked about that already. I want to go to, uh, first Timothy two and 13 for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Okay. First Timothy two 15. Okay. 
Adam, but woman, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. First, first Timothy 2, 13, I mean. So the the man was formed first. Okay, so with him doing this, this is the fourth thing that he's doing. He has sown fig leaves over him. He's running from God. He hid because he was afraid and he was naked. That's two. The third thing he did was he didn't answer God's question. He ignored the question that God asked him and he only answered one. Then the fourth thing, he blamed the woman. All these things shows that he has a lack of ownership and a lack of accountability. All lack of ownership, all lack of accountability. So when a man is positioned to be passive in their marriage, he lacks ownership and accountability. If a woman dominates her marriage, she will lack ownership and accountability. See, God gave the authority to the man to name all the animals and all the birds in the sky. So it was his position. It was his authority. He had authority to stand up and say something. So men are supposed to take authority in a marriage and say, look, this is this. I, you are the head of the house and you should be doing what is right. And so um, it looks like I'm going to have to continue this tomorrow because I am already at the two hour mark. Okay. So thank you all so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I will see you all tomorrow. We will continue on in this discussion about, um, about wife, wives, polygamy, and other types of relationships. Okay. And, um, hopefully I can get into talking about Sarah and her um, polygamy with her mistress, uh, Hagar, who um, had Ishmael. So let me go ahead and pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne. We thank you so much for giving us your word today. Thank you for leading me in this discussion. I appreciate you, Father. And we just ask that you just allow your word to resonate in our hearts. Please keep our hearts and minds open to you, God, so that we can change and transform all of the things in our life through the power of your Holy Spirit and live a life that is obedient and pleasing to you. God, we just ask that you please allow your will to be done in our life, not our will or anyone else's will for us, but your will be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Okay, so if you all... Needed to send a prayer request, please send that to Laws Life Help at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. Also, if you wanted to suggest a topic, send that to me directly at Deanna Watson at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. Also, if you were interested in becoming an intern or you needed to do some mandated community service, um, please send that email to um, info at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. Thank you all so much for joining me tonight. I will see you all tomorrow. You have a good night.